It's Cut to the Chase with Laura Curran. With me, Laura Curran. Let's bring in Laura Curran, a member of the Democratic Party. Joining us now by phone, Laura Curran. Laura, good morning. Now, here's your host, Laura Curran. Hello, I am Laura Curran, and this is Cut to the Chase, where we delve into politics, media, culture, and current events. Real conversations about real issues that affect our lives, no matter where we are on the political spectrum. All right, let's get right to it. Hello, and welcome to the podcast, Cut to the Chase. So we're going to have fun in this next half hour. I have got a great guest, and we're going to dish about all kinds of politics, what's going on in the world right now. Alphonse D'Amato, I feel like he needs no introduction, but he, I will give a short one, U.S. Senator for New York, actually the last Republican U.S. Senator to represent New York. He served in that capacity from 1981 to 1999. Welcome, Senator D'Amato. Well, great to be with you, Laura. So you served in the U.S. Senate in a very interesting two decades. The whole Reagan era, the fall of the Berlin Wall, Bush won, Clinton with his mixed bag of good and bad, always dramatic. But I want to talk for a minute to get us started about the current President Joe Biden. You two served as Senate colleagues And you both had a reputation for not being part of the elite, you know, Senator Pothole and middle class Joe. What was that relationship like? Well, let me tell you, when we had a visit that we were going to take to announce keeping the Air Force Base upstate open outside of the Buffalo region, a family problem came up and Senator Moynihan said to me, Alphonse, you want to be with your family now. Mm. He went up and he said, we wouldn't be here today. This space weren't not for Senator D'Amato. That's the kind of relationship we worked together. It was, and particularly when it came to matters that involved our state. Today, the Democrats and Republicans don't work together. They don't speak together. They speak at each other. They fight with each other. They tear each other down. And the interest of our country seems to be secondary. Everything is politics, cheap politics. And that goes for both sides. President Biden has gone out of his way to disparage Republicans. That's not the way you lead the country. If there are things that are wrong, take the things on. Talk about them. But don't just say, oh, the, the mega Republicans, you know, they're no good, etc., etc. That's just terrible. And, you know, we have one crisis after another taking place, and we don't work together to deal with them. So, so the Joe Biden that you see as president, do you find that he's changed since he served in the Senate? Absolutely. How so? At one time, Joe was the kind of person who could reach across the aisle, could work with people. He was a Democrat. He voted mostly with the Democratic agenda, just as most Republicans vote for the Republican agenda. But it wasn't that we ostracize people because they're on the other side. We don't make them the enemies. And that's what we have deteriorated to. Do you think it's worse than ever now? Oh, this is the worst that I've seen since the days before I went into the Senate. And as I was getting to the end of my term, 
I could see the right wing of the Republican Party becoming abusive in terms of insisting that people vote a particular way or otherwise they'd have a primary. The Right to Gun Association, the National Rifle Association, they were leaders in this. If you didn't vote for this, we'll run a primary. Now, the same thing has taken place uh, in the Democratic Party, and it's the left wing which threatens uh, their people with primaries unless they they vote for their left-wing policies, open borders. I mean, are we out of our mind? 200,000 people a month come into this country? I don't blame the governor of Texas and the governor now of Arizona for putting people on a bus and busing them to the cities to talk about how great they are, how open they are. Oh, we welcome them. So he's given us a lesson. He's sending them up to New York. Uh, they're sending them to Washington, now the governor of Arizona, because their states are being flooded. They're being inundated. And by the way, the cost to the American taxpayers is incredible. Who pays for the housing for these people? Who pays to send these kids to school? Who pays for their medical necessities? The local taxpayers in the communities that they arrive in. So you, Shouldn't you have a sensible policy where you say, okay, we will take in a million people a year or whatever the number is, but we want to know who they are. We want to, the drugs that are pouring into this country, the fentanyl. And where does fentanyl come from? It comes from China. Right. So it goes from China to the Mexican drug cartels, and last year we lost over 100,000 people, most of them young people. It's flowing in, and nobody says anything. Yeah, that no was there was that anything. alarming story last week in the Wall Street Journal. I think it's 108,000 overdoses last year, two-thirds of which were synthetic opioids. Fentanyl is the major cause. You talk about division in the country, but also division within political parties, Democrat versus Democrat, Republican versus Republican. Now, you were one of the three Republicans to vote to allow people to serve, gay people to serve in the military openly. Absolutely. Um, That was back in 1993. Did you ever get punished or pushback or any kind of vindictiveness from your party while you were serving? Well, I, I had not from the party. I would have some wackadoodles on the right who would attack me for it. Yeah. And I said to them, let me ask you, what is the major criteria for serving in the military? Is to stand up and do what's right for the country. It's not what your sex is or your mm-hmm. sexual preferences. It's what is your conduct. And if people have good records and good human beings, doesn't matter what their sexual preference is. That's a lot of nonsense. But today, we have a terrible situation where Republicans and Democrats should be coming together to secure the border Mm. and really secure it so that we know who's coming in. And yes, we'll take poor people because my grandparents were poor people when they came to this country 100 plus years ago. And so were everybody else's or most people's who weren't born here. There, Or you may be born here. And my father was born here, but his parents weren't. They were poor immigrants. But you had a process whereby you came through, etc. Here, 
There's no process. We just release them. Years ago, you had to have a sponsor, etc. This is absolutely, we are running this country down. And I'll tell you what it is. The people on the left are challenging uh, the uh, traditional Democrats with primaries. So in order to avoid that challenge, they move to the left. Uh, similarly, uh, people on the right in the Republican Party, they challenge the more moderate Republicans with primaries. And Trump doesn't help that out. If you don't march to his drum, we'll run a primary mm. against you. So well, speaking of Trump, we what could... the problem is. Yeah. The elected officials are so worried about being reelected because doing the right thing becomes secondary. They want to stay in office. You should have term limits. Mm. I never thought that before. Mm-hmm. But 12 years, two Senate terms, plenty. 12 years in the House, you run six times. Plenty. I agree. Years. I agree with you about term limits. I think when people are in Congress and they're there for a very long time, they amass so much power. that other legislators' districts don't get the same kind of representation. It's just not, I don't think it's good for the country. It's not good for the country, and it makes those who are in power, they're so driven to stay in power, not to do what's right. Right. But they say in their mind, well, if I'm not here, I can't do these good things. Well, there's other ways to serve the country. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm curious to look forward at 2024. We could conceivably have Biden versus Trump again. Now, Biden is saying he's going to run. He might not. Who knows? And I think even if he doesn't want to run, you got to say you're going to run because you don't want to be a lame duck. So I don't blame him for saying that. I would love to know what elevator pitch advice would you give to Biden and would you give to Trump if they are the candidates in two years? Well, I think that President Biden has to stop attacking Republicans. That's wrong. Yeah. Um, If there's a particular issue you want to bring up, you want to fight for climate change, fight for it. And by the way, I think he's overdoing it. He's put us in a precarious position where we are not developing the kind of energy that we can and should be producing here in this country and not have to be dependent on Russia and the uh, Middle East. That That is wrong on Iran, etc. That's nonsense. And we were energy independent and we could have continued to be except for the Biden policies. But The fact is that we have to become energy independent. Yes, we want to become green, but you don't do it overnight. And you move. And natural gas is a heck of a lot better than the oil and the coal, etc., that we were burning. And we're not developing our natural gas in the state of New York on our southern border. We have more gas in the Binghamton area, below Binghamton, on our border with Pennsylvania. It could keep our state, make it much more environmentally friendly, and save billions of dollars and develop billions of dollars worth of energy a year right in New York. How come we don't do it? Oh, because if you do that, the left wing will yell and scream, etc. And so we've had a policy of not developing during the prior governor's tenure, and it continues now. And the only thing I see this governor doing is spending money 
like it's just printed, then there's no accountability. I want to get to the governor's race in a minute. So the political advice you would give Biden is do what you think is right. Don't worry about kowtowing to the left, whether it's on the environment or whatever. Well, cool it on the environment. Yeah. Don't you're overdoing it. And why wouldn't you want us to be energy independent? And you could move to electric vehicles. They're eventually going to be the thing. But don't try to do it overnight. Don't help create a shortage and add to the world's problems as it relates to affordable energy. And they have created this problem for two reasons. Number one, and I will be very critical of my former colleague and the president, your withdrawal from Afghanistan helped bring this crisis about. It was not orderly. It was done in a haphazard, terrible way so he could celebrate the 9-11 and say, because that's what it was all aimed at, if you look back at it and the way it took place, it was horrible. And it created the impression that, hey, we don't have to worry about the U.S. They've sold out their friends and their allies in Afghanistan and the Afghan people. And so what do you think Putin felt so strong? He didn't think that we would rise to the occasion and the rest of the world would to take them on in the Ukraine. And thank God we did. But look at the cost. I think that would have been avoided. And so both Russia and China have become much more aggressive because of that ill-fated retreat from Afghanistan. That's all played into part of this crisis that we now have as it relates to energy and as it relates to inflation. And let me tell you, this is going to be a tough winter. People's energy bills are going to go up 30%. Food isn't going to come down. It keeps going up. You can't create a shortage of energy worldwide and not think it's not going to impact food and the prices. And so the worst is yet to come so, Alphonse, in terms of our economy. You paint a pretty stark picture of what's happening. Yeah. How do you think this will affect the presidential election, whomever is running in 2024? Well... And what can the Democrats do? Because, you know, these the points you're making, I hear a lot out there in the world. And that, that it's a liability for my colleagues who are Democrats. What do you think my party can do to begin to turn this around? Do you think that perhaps Biden doesn't have the right advisors? He doesn't have the right people around him? He's not getting the right advice? Well, he's become a slave to the former Secretary of State, John Kerry, who mm. runs around and flies around and is wife, rich, uh, wealthy uh, wife, and articulates uh, what we should be doing. Do you think Trump is serious about a run? And if so, what should he do? I'll give you my two cents. My two cents are, don't make it, not that I, you know, I'm looking to help him out here, but don't make it about yourself and how the election was stolen. Make it about the people. I think whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, people are sick of hearing politicians talk about themselves and how they were wronged and the blaming and the complaining. I think I want to know, what are you going to do for me? What are you going to do for my community? What would your advice be? My advice for Biden would be to say, let's develop more energy here in the United States. It's better than burning coal. Let's use atomic power. 
which all of a sudden we've turned off, like we turned it off here in New York. Terrible. And Westchester. And what do you think? You think we've improved the environment by turning off the utilization and closing down that atomic energy plant, which was not a problem? And the people in Westchester weren't screaming and yelling about it. It's the Pauls. So they made a mistake, and we have to change our policies in that manner. That's a start. Number two, let's not just attack people because they're Democrats or attack people because they're Republicans. Mm-hmm. Let's look at the policies, etc. And not every Republican is a right-wing extremist, and not every Democrat is a, a left-wing kukula. So let's have some respect for the political process. And more important, uh, encourage people to become involved. Um, and, and we don't do that. We discourage them. I, I wouldn't want my children to get involved in, in politics today mm. because it's nasty. Mm-hmm. It's ugly. Mm-hmm. And people attack you because you're either you're a Democrat or you're a left winger or you're a Republican or you're a crazy right winger. As far as Trump is concerned, my opinion, he should not try to run. Mm. But his ego, his ego would not permit him to give it up. Mm. Now, I think he did a good job as president. Did I agree with everything? No. But he did a good job with respect to energy. He did a good job with respect to the economy. He did a good job in securing the borders. And I have to tell you, the election wasn't stolen. He blew it. Mm. He blew it. And you can go and blame people. He should have challenged the things that were implemented before the election, for example, the ballots, the way they were harvest, harvested, et cetera, in some states, you could have challenged that. And in two of the states, Republicans controlled the legislature. They just never did anything. Mm. But you don't wait till afterwards and say, oh, they stole the election. They haven't proven one bit of that. Right. It's a bunch of nonsense. You blew it. And, mm-hmm. and I could I could tell you how he could have won that election. He, he could have used Joe Biden um, when he was out of office, the former vice president, bragging about how he had the prosecutor who was pursuing his son's company, mm-hmm. the son that he was working with in, in the Ukraine. He said, unless you fire him within six hours, I'm leaving the Ukraine with the billion dollars I was going to give you. And then he turns around and laughs at the audience and says, ha ha, could you believe it? They fired him. For God's sakes, just put that up on TV. Hmm. They had it. He was bragging about this at the Council on Foreign Relations in New York, a very prestigious group. It's on film. It's on tape. I'll bet you 10% of the people, not, not even 10%, have ever seen that. There, you jackass. That's what you should have done, Mr. President. Mm. You should have run that thing and said, we can't have people like that who want to be our president. Instead, he gets his buddy Rudy Giuliani to run over uh, to the Ukraine with two crooks and creates a thing where he's trying to fix the election, etc. Mm-hmm. Okay? And January 6th, his conduct was unbecoming that of a president. He should have immediately, when the first signs of the situation getting out of hand, call for them to stop. And then don't try to get the vice president not to certify the election. Could you imagine what would have taken place? 
Oh, my God. I can't. We would have had a revolution. It would have been crazy. I mean, this, this is incredible. Yeah. And that's his ego. I think he did a good job as president. Mm-hmm. I voted for him. It's over, Donald. But your ego would never let you let go. Mm-hmm. And, and we have others who can do a good job in this country. We don't need him. We don't need a, a, a rerun of somebody whose ego is out of control and, and of a president who seems very lost and confused and who is being run by others and, who's, and who has an energy policy which has hurt this country and democracy worldwide is played right into Putin's hands. So I want you to pretend that you are a magician and you can pick who do you think if you could pick the best Democratic candidate for 24 and the best Republican candidate for 24, who would you pick? Well, I I feel um, more at ease in uh, picking a a Republican candidate. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. All right. And I would say there are two. Mm-hmm. Um, the governor of, Flor- of uh, Florida, Ron DeSantis, mm-hmm. has done a great job. I think he is not a right-wing kook, but he's not afraid to stand up to the educators who wanted to teach uh, kids in his state about sexuality starting in kindergarten, first, second, and third grade. That should be left to parents, Okay. And schools should not be engaged. And parents should have a say in what schools teach. I applaud them for standing up and for doing a good job. Not just because of that, but that's just an area. Mm-hmm. And I, I think he's very, very bright, very capable. And young. Some, someone else is the former um, Secretary of, of State, Mike Pompeo, graduated mm-hmm. number one in his class, as a background. I think it was, I think he went to the military academy, but very bright, very, very capable. Those are the kinds of people that can and should become involved. I I personally think that DeSantis, after his election as governor, I think he'll have a terrific win there. He should be a player. I think Trump will obviously try to preclude any Republican from challenging him. He thinks he's entitled. Hmm. He doesn't know when to come in out of the rain. Did a good job as president, but it's over, Donald. You have to remember it's not about you. It's about the people. And I think uh, politicians of all stripes can be helpfully reminded of that. It's not about you. So you're a confident guy. You're a funny guy. You're very successful. You have a a, a, your consulting and lobbying firm. Park Strategies does very well. You're on TV. You write columns. Were you always confident? Were there any obstacles you had to overcome as a kid or a young adult? Oh, sure. Sure. What was the biggest? I I was I was uh, legally blind until I was. uh, Ten years old, I wow. got hit by a car. My mother said, we're doing surgery. In those days, they would be afraid to operate. One doctor would say, no, he could lose the sight of his other eye, etc." cetera, at a cross eye. Today, they do that process in about an hour or mm-hmm. less. But back then, um, it was a whole different matter. I think I spent three days in the hospital, and it took a little time before the brain could catch up, mm. uh, etc. And so it wasn't until... Uh, Summer of the 
am I going into the eighth grade that I could begin to read and a whole new world wow. opened up to me. Wow, that's amazing. Um, so, yeah, good health is an important thing. So we've come a long way yeah. uh, since those days. But fact is that uh, we are very fortunate and we've got to keep democracy alive and we've got to cut down on people staying in office ad infinitum thinking they're the only people who can run run the country or they're so indispensable that all they care about is keeping the job, yeah. okay? Yeah. And not dealing with the problems. I might and not New agree York with State, you on everything, Alphonse, but I absolutely agree with you about term limits. Well, in New York State, we have a tragedy unfolding. Yes. So before you get to that, I just want to say, so you, just to give the, the listeners some context, you were instrumental in getting Pataki, George Pataki, elected governor. No one thought he had a chance. He was a, you know, sort of an obscure state legislator from upstate, and he beat Mario Cuomo. What do you think of Zeldin's chances? I think Zeldin um, has got to start running his ads, and I think he, there's a lot out there that he can and should be saying and doing, and he's not doing it. Hmm. For example, I mean, Hoko awarded a contract uh, for six hundred million dollars to provide COVID testing to a company that's a New Jersey company called Digital Gadgets based in New Jersey. So you can say, well, so what? You know, we need, well, they only charge twice what anybody else charged, twice as much. And guess what? They raised their $300,000. Now, that, that is ridiculous. $600 million of taxpayers' money, you pay twice as much as, as what the competition was bidding? Come on, wake up. Has Zeldin asked I mean, you for what advice? Are we for sale? Has he asked the, you for the advice? State is for sale. She gives almost a billion dollars, $700 million plus local money, uh, uh, to build this stadium. Never been done. You can criticize Mario Cuomo, Andrew Cuomo, George Pataki. They never did that kind of nonsense. But do you think That's Zeldin, incredible. look at the demographics of the state. It's, I think it's more than two to one Democrat for a Republican. Yeah, do, you so think, do you think that a Republican can win? And what, what do yeah. they have to do? If, if uh, um, the candidate running Lee Zeldin, um, I, I've never seen him get on TV and say, why did you give this company um, uh, a contract uh, uh, for $600 million, right? And they charge twice as much as everybody else was charging. How come? Was it the $300,000 that they raised you? Huh? Hmm. I mean, is that a question that should be raised? Well, have you seen it? So he's not putting the issues out there. She has a $10 billion fund now, unrestricted, in the, 2000, the 2022 state budget that the legislature approved. And guess what? The state controller of New York has no oversight. Hmm. Can you believe this? And she's using this money to subsidize New York's health care industry, including powerful health care workers' unions who are kicking in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to our campaign. I mean, so she gave a billion dollars, almost a billion dollars for this sweetheart deal to build a new stadium, a, 
up in Buffalo. Why? Because her husband's firm is connected uh, uh, very closely, and they, they do the work. They're serving the food, etc. at the stadium. Come on, give me a break. This, this is nonsense. Now, this I is mean, an issue that Tom Swazi brought I mean, up in the primary. And, and, this and is the issue let that... Let me ask you. Yeah. What about the developers who've kicked in hundreds of thousands of dollars to our campaign, who are going to be getting the contracts to develop buildings, and we don't even know, we hear about, around Penn Station, around uh, Madison Square Garden over there. And you have those builders who have kicked in hundreds of thousands of dollars to our campaign. So the state is for sale so that she can raise this campaign money and complain about Lee Zeldin and abortion. Now, by the way, is abortion a big issue? Absolutely. Women in particular don't want what they consider to be and what is a right taken away from them. But what the Supreme Court said is it's up to the states. And in the state of New York, women's rights to abortion have not been challenged at all. The state permits it. But it's still a big issue. It's an emotional issue. issue. It's Um, a bogus issue, but... And Alphonse, I just want to say one thing. So Tom Swasey brought up those points in the primary, but it didn't seem to move the needle. Well, listen. And also I would just caution, you know, yeah. This is your a lot of uh, you people can look up the facts. I don't mm-hmm. have all of the facts in front of me about how much she raised and who gave it to her and all of that. So I would just ask all the listeners, you know, do your own due diligence. Listen to what Alphonse is saying. Do your own due diligence well, uh, listen, and, and, you, and make you, you sure can that look you, and you can see that the money that was given to her over three hundred thousand dollars was raised by the lobbyists and et cetera, who, who did work for digital gadgets and that. The $600 million contract, okay, Hochul's, the donors gave $300,000 to her campaign, and they charged twice as much as what the other people were charging. It's incredible. I think we should do – actually, you know what? You've given me a great idea. I think we, I should do a podcast about money and politics because oh, yeah. the way it is now, candidates have to raise – uh, an S ton of money, yep. uh, and it's it, so much of their time now is spent raising money. And what does that what what does that do for our democracy? So you've given well, me a very good topic. It means whoever can raise a lot. So yeah, so she's on television blasting him for his position or for the abortion. And you want to see him on TV? Supreme Court. You want to see him? But it him does on. not impact the women or the people who live in this state. All right. The state legislatures are given the power to determine when and and if and under what conditions an abortion can be given. I got, New York we're is out of not time. impacted one iota. Alphonse, we're out of time. I can't believe it's gone by so quickly. I just have one more question for you. Go ahead. You've got young children about 13, 14 years old. Yep. What is your biggest concern for them? Huh. The unrestricted, the wild utilization of communications and everything that's on it, and and you can't censor it, and it's, you know, you you don't know what they're seeing, who they're talking to, etc., and um, it's uh, nationwide, you know, what's going on, and young people, uh, they're addicted Mm. with their telephones, which are hooked into every kind of device, etc., 
and some of them uh, really are addicted to it. Yeah, the youth of America put down the phones and pick up a book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I I wonder if they if they read much at all unless the school requires it. Yeah, um, and they're doing that less and less. I find. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so so that's a big problem. It is. Uh, the I communication, agree. unfettered communications, and um, I don't have the answer um, as to how you deal with this. But obviously, we've got to watch it very carefully. Yes, I agree with you on that. Al D'Amato, I want to thank you so much for joining me. This was a lot of fun. I would love to have you on another time because there's so much more to talk about. Good to be with you. You take care now. Take care. And next week, I speak with Melissa DeRosa, who served as secretary to former Governor Andrew Cuomo. So tune in. Thanks again for listening. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.